Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about the majestic indie developer lifestyle. Join our scintillating hosts, Dave and Daniel, that's me, and let's hear about a tiny slice of their thrilling lives. Join us while waiting for review. Hi, Dave. Hi, Daniel. I'm not sure I'm ever going to get used to that intro. It's, it's great. But... <laughs> How many weird words can we, can we push into that intro? Like, maybe Absolutely. we can get even more in there. Kaleidoscope. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I can hear you. That's fantastic. We wanted to record yesterday. Yeah. And then first... Um, First, something was with my calendar. I forgot what it was. Then you overslept. And then we finally yep. connected. And I heard, oh, hang on. And then a loud beep. And then mm -hmm. um, a very naughty word, Dave. You, you did you actually word. hear that? Did you hear I that? I did, yeah. But I'm, I'm, on Mastodon, I kind of censored it. But then you wrote it. So that's like <laughs> that's like one euro into the language um, cup. Yeah, yeah. It's... Um... It's a good Anglo-Saxon four-letter word. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with F and ends in K. Yeah. So four. yeah, what what happened? What happened on your side? On my side. Well, the reason for the outburst was because my ears were filled with that beep quite loudly. Uh, what I didn't realize is that was most likely the death throes of a capacitor on the microphone that I was using. So what we then ended up with afterwards was a protracted moment of me trying to figure out why on earth there was no audio coming through, uh, which I initially blamed on upgrading to Sonoma in the last couple of weeks. Uh, seemed logical. Yeah, okay, maybe I've done something mm -hmm. here software-wise. Uh, but actually, yeah, eventually we figured out it was the microphone, and then um, it was too late to record because we're on a bit of a time limit when we record, right? It's the start of my day. Yeah, um, and like at some point I would probably fall asleep too. Yeah, exactly. It's late in your day. Uh, so, yeah, but in the time in between, uh, I had just enough time afterwards to put clothes on very quickly, like get dressed for leaving the house, I mean. Not that I'm sitting here naked talking to you, Daniel, but I am <laughs> in my dressing gown. <laughs> You're uh, in your home sauna. Ah, uh, yeah, I wish, I wish. No, I'm I'm rugged up against the cold here because it is still, it's not uh, winter, but it's certainly not feeling like it's fully spring either at times. Oh, it cold I mean, days. it's still pretty summery yeah. here. Like climate yeah. change really, really did a number of on our October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, on we're, a personal level, I'm not complaining, but it's probably not good for the world. No, no. But uh, anyway, warmth and close to one side, well, not to one side, on me. Uh, I got very quickly uh, out out and into the car and over to the neighboring town and picked up a microphone um, so that we could record today because I worked out I would have no time during my working day to to do that. Um, and then if we wanted to record again this morning, well, we'd be back to square one with no microphone. So That's, that's the commitment to podcasting that I want to see. So I, you're, it's yeah. absolutely commendable. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe I, I might be sounding a bit clearer, a bit better. Um, I've, I've bought the microphone I wish I hadn't sold when we left the UK, which is um, an SM58 made by Shaw, which is your uh, industry standard 
kind of microphone all around the world, right? This is the one that a lot of people are using to perform on, to record with, to mess around yeah. with. Um, I used to have that one when I was, or I didn't own it, I think, but I was shortly part of a cover band for various rock songs, and that was the microphone I sang into, and I had lots of fun doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a clip. You sent me a clip last <laughs> night of your uh, band and singing. Um, yeah, the band kind of didn't survive the um, the pandemic. Basically, it was it, and actually, like it, it was a band made out of company employees, and so we could um, practice at the company, and all the equipment was there, and all all the equipment was actually bought by the company. So that was pretty cool. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of fun. So yeah, shout out to Clicks. If the, I think the company is still around. They downsized a lot though, and um, I I left them because um i wanted to like do like travel the world which was kind of thwarted by the by the pandemic yeah and then like it just like kind of fell apart and then telemetry deck of course oh, yeah my tiny little uh my tiny little company yes yes um oh Anyway, I, I, I am very, very tempted, Daniel, because I have that clip. Maybe this is the point in the show where I will cut and splice in a little bit of your audio <laughs> right here. And we're back after this word from our sponsors. Uh, we're sponsored today by Mediocre Singing, I'd say. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dave, what have you been doing? What have you been working on? Uh, when I'm not rushing around um, trying to buy microphones um, and other things. Well, yeah, to be honest, my day job right now is pretty full on so my my ability for for time for sort of my my apps and everything else that i do on the side is, is kind of compressed but um since we last spoke i have continued working on the app that uh is sort of starting to come together now this is this second mm -hmm. and it's another app yet another app um I don't. I can't remember exactly what I described last time when we spoke, but it's a image manipulation app. Um, and what it lets you do is it lets you um, pull the subject from the background, which is easy now. Thank you, Apple. That's that's a, mm. an easy API. And um, with that in mind, you're then able to apply different effects to the background um to, and the foreground sort of separately uh and you can then export those images out so you can get some really interesting effects you know for example you can have uh the person in the foreground has been pulled out and they've got um a comic book effect and the background looks normal um or you know vice versa or some oh, other that's kind of cool things. i didn't know i didn't know that was possible actually yeah 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 so do you remember the um our yeah, I'm going to get the name of the band wrong, but it's that the song is um, "Take on Me." It's Aha, wasn't it? Aha, yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, and I can't that, sing that one. That like that's too high at the end in at the end of the chorus for me. Yeah, true, true. Um, and, and and listeners don't want to hear me try and attempt that, <laughs> that singing. But, but yeah, uh, they have this um, this uh, music video that's kind of like in a in a style as if it was drawn. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they did that back then. They did that with with artists, I believe, tracing over the film and and literally, you know, drawing the guy, tracing the guy on the film and then bringing it together and then doing vice versa for the background and all of that. Uh, But, you know, 30-odd, 40 years on now, we're old, Daniel, Um, getting there. Um, Because that was the 80s, right? So speak for, speak for yourself. Like Aha was always old people music for me. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Same for me actually. The the video was old by the time I was watching it as a kid. But anyway, that's one side. I'm hoping I can kind of recreate some effects like that in the app. And oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I've got a bit of a mm, to use use the corporate lingo. I've got a stretch goal for this app. Um, so like version one is. You can do this with photos. Great. Uh, version 1.1 is going to be, okay, can I do this to video as well? I already know the answer. Yes, I can. Um, not to be arrogant about this, but it's it's right there, and I've been playing with video for quite a while. Um, but I've got to figure out the UI and, and get that nailed down nicely because the experience here is not going to be as easy as just um, processing the the photo that's loaded uh nice and then and then plug that into go vj or is it like completely uh, going to be separate it's a separate app uh although one of the things that it will be able to do if i can get the video working is export um videos where it's just the subject and the background's been removed to transparency and then in go vj playing those back will be quite nice because you can use them as overlays and things like that so yeah, I can see a new feature coming through in GoVJ where I add like an extra layer because uh, at the moment GoVJ is a two-layer mixer. Mm-hmm. Um, I might add an extra layer where you can add a permanent overlay. And then if you think about what I'm describing here, you've got your main video mix going on with the two channels. And an overlay would let you do something like putting the um, putting a, a, a logo permanently over the output for example yeah um, yeah totally yeah so that's where it might connect with go features it'll let people make overlays easily um, by by just cutting the background and exporting the lifted image um so yeah i'm sort of deep down the the rabbit hole with that i've got the um the engine of it working Mm-hmm. I'm in the stage where I'm sort of deciding what effects I'm going to add and how they're going to come together with it. And the UI is pretty prototypey right now. Like I, I could, I could probably spend another day on it, and it would be shippable, which is a a, a nice place to be. Uh, but I, I, yeah, this is the thing, right? My skills here are in the the, the making of the pipeline, the edits, the the thing, and applies the effects. Um, and perhaps less so with making a very elegant UI for it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that, that's where I'm at, though. And then this will be the first Lego app. Shout out to a previous episode where I laid out the idea. Um, it will be the first app that uses all the little libraries that I've been building that um, let me spin things up relatively quickly. Like I've got a a settings menu is a package, I just bring it in. The paywall is a package, I just bring it in, etc. 
Nice. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. I would I would love to try this out actually. Like in my mind I have I have already these kinds of images that we could that, that you could do like look make make things look like a comic book, uh yep. make people look like comic book characters, try out various other filters, like yeah. I'm just gonna make do so many so many shenanigans with my cats. <laughs> it's um it it'll be fun. Uh, that that's the that's the idea anyway. I think it'll be quite fun to play with and use once it's up and running. And uh, the other thing is, is I've been testing it on my Mac as well, just using mm-hmm. it as a Catalyst app. So I think this will be be something I do when I launch it, is I'm just going to let it go and um, like tick the box. Well, not untick the box, right? Every new app is is signed up for being a, um, an iOS app on Apple Silicon yeah. for the Mac. Um, and that's fine, and I'll probably test it there um, so that I can be sure it's a reasonable experience, even if it's not the perfect experience yeah, you know, but that like, a nap kit would be. As as someone who so many times was like, oh, yeah, I just would like to run that that iPhone or iPad app on my Mac. And then, like, the developer took the time to uncheck that box, so, so just so I can't do it. Like, it's yeah. so frustrating to see that because, I mean, we all understand um that of course this is not going to be the perfect experience that it might be like i don't know a little bit janky a little bit a little bit rough around the edges but it's so much better than just not allowing the app to run at all and i feel like yeah. it's actually the same <laughs> slight slight um slight excursion here it's actually the same you might disagree with me on this um, because people are now starting to uncheck the box that lets lets uh, people run their iPhone or iPad apps or Mac apps on the Vision Pro, and okay. and I'm yep. like, no, no, don't uncheck that box. That platform, <laughs> when it launches, will have so few apps because it is hugely expensive, and it is a very hard. It's very hard work to actually build and design software on that on in 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 the in a 3d world that makes sense and is easy easily usable like like just just leave that checkbox checks please <laughs> please <laughs> i mean if you really want want to just have a four four liner in there somewhere that first time we launch on a device that is like slightly less supported like on a mac or on a vision pro just throw up a dialogue that says hey this is not perfect, but um, you here you go anyway. Please report bugs here or whatever. Like, like yeah. give, give people indication that this is not the preferred platform for this thing to run on. But let people run it, please. I'm kind of laughing at myself here and in this situation because I'm aware, quite acutely aware, that I uncheck that box <laughs> for GoVJ. Um, I know that's why I'm expecting you to disagree with me. Well. Yeah, I kind of don't. Um, like the reason I've unchecked that is because for the the, the video mixing app, um, I want to control this experience and make sure I get it right. Like there might be a future on um, the Vision Pro that I've not really thought about where I want to have an app there in this space. And actually, the the risk here for me with GoVJ is that. Um, yeah, people play with it, and then I get some some level of this doesn't work, and I'll be like, yeah, I know, and I just don't want to get stuck in that that loop. It's kind of the same for for GoVJ on the Mac. 
as well, actually. That's been the bigger risk, really. I think mm-hmm. Vision Pro, I think I could probably leave that. And like the amount of VJs who will also have a Vision Pro who will also then complain when it's not working perfectly is probably vanishingly small. Um, but for the Mac, I, I am aware that there's bits of the experience that just kind of fall off. So, uh, for example, it, detect, it detects the screens you've got connected um, on iOS, and then mm. if you've got an external screen connected, that is your full screen output. That falls over immediately on a Mac ah, that's okay, connected to a monitor that. and things, yeah. So so then I'm into like, okay, I've got to think about a screen management paradigm or at least a windowing thing for the Mac where the user can then move it to the, the screen they want and full screen it themselves or whatever that is. And I've just haven't got around to it. It's been one of those things of like, it's working on the platform it's intended for. I'm going to come back for the Mac later on for Go VJ. You know what? You, you do have a point actually for your application. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, I see, I see that. But but because for the for, for for the other couple of apps that I've got in store, uh, Topiary for um, mm-hmm. Mastodon, and then the video to audio um, converter, there's no reason those can't just have those boxes checked. Like they 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 don't suffer from that side effect. If mm-hmm. you like, they may as well be there. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I kind of miss now. Now I miss writing or working on iOS apps. <laughs> yeah you've been in the I've web i've been working a lot on web web stuff and 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 server backend stuff i wrote a little bit of uh, vision pro code um but yeah i kind of yeah. i kind of i didn't have the time to really work on the telemetry deck app and it shows i actually recently got an email that says hey it was a really friendly email but the person who wrote it was like um i don't know how to say this but the the mobile app is terrible for a telemetry deck yeah. and they are absolutely right. It's just, yeah, I, I didn't find the time at all. Right. Um, uh, I actually, did I tell you this? No, I didn't. I, I, I made a, an account for Hacktoberfest and actually okay. tagged the mobile app for Hacktoberfest and it kind of didn't work out for me. The problem is, I think that while the app is technically open source, you kind of still need um, are kind of tied to a commercial service, which is Telemetry Deck. Yeah, and people don't really like that. So that's the 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 philosophical aspect. But the practical aspect is just that the app right now is, is it doesn't really have a good onboarding experience for people who work on it. Like there's right. um there's various areas of the code that are littered with deprecation warnings that I wrote as a reminder for myself to work on this. Um, but <laughs> If you are just like someone who just comes into the project, it kind of feels very uh, abandoned and broken. And also like there is new code that if, for example, like where I'm trying to port everything to Swift UI charts, no, Swift charts. Um, But that's kind of like halfway done and they're therefore still in a a PR. So I wish I had realized that I wanted to do this uh, way earlier, like in beginning of September, let's say. So I, uh, so, so I like, I just didn't, realize that i could of course take part in hacktoberfest um so yeah i got a few prs for the swift uh sdk for telemetry deck that was really nice so thank you for everyone who contributed there oh that's cool um but the the mobile app is still a mess well i mean daniel (laughs) for uh you, you are the you know lead developer uh 
CTO, founder, uh, sometimes DevOps. marketing guy, DevOps, um, cloud engineer, managing clown, Kuben. clown engineer, clown engineer. Yeah, it's the nose that, that tipped me <laughs> off. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. the uh, so what you know, you, you're a team of. I don't want to say one because there's more than one in telemetry deck, right? You've got your co-founder and you've got a couple of other people that you work with. Yeah, um, yeah I got um, yeah, I got uh, Lisa, my co-founder, and then we have Marina who is working part-time on the documentation. Yeah, and we have Charlotte and Florian who are both contributing to code every now and then. So I'm hugely grateful to all of these people yeah. because they are fantastic and amazing, and it's an absolute pleasure to work with them. So, any of you are listening right now, you're amazing, and I, I, I love you platonically. Oh, beautiful! And yeah, I must say, every time I've uh, spoken with anybody uh, on your team, there, they're all awesome. They are. But uh, <laughs> the thing I was highlighting, though, is you don't have somebody whose dedicated full time role says Swift UI app engineer or version mm. of that and iOS it, and it person. It shows, of course, like that's yeah. a, a, a lot of the time. I try very. That's one of the reasons why we're not officially supporting the mobile apps at all anymore. Like they're open yeah. source and there's a blog post and it says in the readme and everything like, hey, this app is unsupported. Um, use it as at your own risk because I just have, don't have the time right now. I mean, I feel yeah. like I'm doing a lot of things right regarding how and where to put my work in a way that we I get a lot of like um, component-based stuff that then is reusable and then that is then... Um, uh, like in a way multiplying multiplying other works other work that i'm doing and so yeah like, i think that's very important if you are trying to be as lean <laughs> oh god that's one of those buzzwords <laughs> right um yeah but I, I can't find a better way to describe it right now but like if you want to be if you want to be that if you want to try with a very small or one person team to reach your goal you kind of have to do it like that like decide which one where's where's the best reward for your work like which yeah. which lever is the longest so that you have to you have to you can actually move something with the little amount of work that you can actually do that's and, it and, yeah. and, and i i mean sorry i'm looking at my screen here and mm -hmm. in my dock on sonoma i have a telemetry deck icon Okay, I wonder so if it's finally updated because I, in my dock I have a very beautiful telemetry deck icon, but most of the people who tried to add the telemetry deck web application got the got just the fav icon. <laughs> like okay, I, I still can't fi figure out why. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'd need to double check with you after the show, maybe. But like, um, if it, it, you have the right icon, if the bottom half of the icon is red, as if the the like the, the spacecraft would be landing on a red planet. Right, I've got the old icon. Um, <laughs> still, see, it's not a bad icon though. Um, your your telemetry deck uh, mascot there is it Sondrine? Sondrine, because the German yeah. uh, word for space probe is Sond, so okay. Sondrine is that kind of flows from that. Cool. So Sandrine is quite happily in my dock, albeit not on the new um, background that shows uh, Sandrine landing. Um, but Sandrine is smiling. And Fantastic. That's the most important thing. <laughs> the, 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 the what I've done here, as you well know, is that I've I've been using the um, the new web app feature on Sonoma in Safari to go. Okay, you're on a website, you go up to the, the file menu and you go add to dock. And telemetry deck does all the things 
uh, to to do that nicely, right? It so does. I get I, I get an icon. Uh, we'll we'll wait for the new one to update, but that's fine. Um, and it you know it it I'm logged in. It is the web app, but contained in a window. And I've got to be honest with you, like this is no different in experience to what it would be either in the browser or if you would spend some time wrapping it up as an electron app. For oh yeah, example. like the, basically yeah. the existence the existence of this feature um makes me like like completely destroyed any plans of like making an electron based app or or not a, like doesn't even have to be electron based but what, you know what i mean yeah like yeah. this is good enough for now now i'm going somewhere with this this, uh-huh. this side thread if you like is okay. that you can do this today with um with web apps on ios as well yeah so you can go add to home screen and then it will do do pretty much the same thing on your iPhone um, in terms of giving it its own dedicated sort of um, window rather than in the browser, uh, provided the, the web developer has given it a manifest and done all the things for it to register it in that way. Um, and also made the web application in a way that it kind of works on smaller screen, which Telemetry Deck yeah. does half of the time. Okay. So there's a route there maybe of like yeah. fixing that half with web dev and then you've got um not quite an app but an experience that can be added to, to yeah i'm, I'm pretty phone. sure that's the way to go for now yeah uh i would i would love to res- resurrect the, um, the the mobile app as just as a viewer app or something because it's really nice yep. to have and also like because i've been <clears throat> i've been just like it's it's my one outlet where I can still program on my favorite platform. Yes, yes, and I think there's there's value for you doing that in terms of then um, dog fooding your iOS SDK right for telemetry yeah, exactly. deck and, exactly. and that sort of stuff. But um, I, I guess what I'm saying is you've got limited time. Making sure that web um, the web version has an experience on mobile that is useful and functional, uh, people can still add it as an application on their phone. Yeah. So and there's one of the examples where I say, like, okay, this is like I I have to choose good enough as as much as possible. Um, yes. You know that video that they had when they introduced iOS seven, I think, uh, uh, where yeah. there was where they were like, you have to say like each yes means also also means a, t- a thousand no's. Yes. They uh, they Apple they meant design decisions, whereas I'm. For me, this is most mostly about engineering decisions. Like every time I say yes to something that is a lot of work, like something that is really a a an actual thing that I'm developing over multiple months, let's say, I'm also saying no to a thousand other things that I could do in that time. So I have to yes. be very careful to as much of the or as many times as possible say uh, or use a good enough solution that's that is already there. Or some some sort of shortcut, or some sort of like um, using something that's very efficient, even if it just gives me ninety percent of what I want, and then and then use my my full time development time on like a few significant things or parts of the application. That's mostly server yes. stuff these days. And that makes sense. That makes total sense until you can clone yourself. Oh, that would be <laughs> nice. That would be nice. It'd be or horrible. Awesome. Yeah, it depends, right? Um, yeah, 
this will completely derail the show. Uh, so maybe I go there <laughs> yeah, okay. anyway. Then let's not talk about cloud. I, w- I do want to talk about more about uh, development though, but not about yes. iOS development, but about development for the Vision Pro. Okay, tell me um, more. So I have two facts that are completely unrelated um, that are just like I, I want to tell you about which yeah. is the first one is I reapplied for the vision pro lamps and I got in a second time like I am very Yay. fortunate that they are just an hour's train right away from me whereas yeah. other people who are there they had to like arrive from all over Europe um, and so um, I was like it was I was told that it's, it's completely fine to reapply and um, get in a second time and like work on something different or on the same thing but with more experience and so i reapplied and i again i had a fantastic and wonderful experience um that's the one thing that i want to tell you and the other thing is um so the last week which was after my vision pro visit i worked a lot with um reality kit and ar, AR kit uh yep. sdks that are in the um, vision pro developer kit like i'm using i uh, xcode 15.1 okay yeah um so yeah so if you look at the documentation and the, the example code and everything it's all public right so <clears throat> so <laughs> i'm not telling you anything out of the session yep, because yep, we've been very careful <clears throat> to thread that needle <laughs> but but this is all public information. But it's still like it's super, super exciting because I really didn't know like which one is reality kit, which one is AR kit. Then there's also a third one, I think. Um yep. where I forgot the name right now. And all of those are also um different from what is on the iPhone. Because the iPhone has AR kit. Yes. And it turns out ARKit on the iPhone and ARKit on the Vision Pro are just two completely different things. Like ARKit on the iPhone is like, it will give you more or less a LiDAR scan of your surroundings and then you can place stuff in there and like look at it from different different things. And so it will give you... um it will give you a, like just all the data. It will give you, like it will ask you once, like, hey, can this, use, can, can this app uh, access the camera? And yep. then if if you say if the user says yes, then the app will get will get the camera data and can put stuff in in the in the three D room that like the um, ARKit will give it various planes and stuff to to, to put stuff stuff on top. You can also like you know tap a tap the floor for example when your three D model gets placed on the on the floor, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um. So ARKit for the Vision Pro is super different. It it feels like a completely different SDK. Um, and this and is I think AR this kit, is not reality kit. That is correct. Yeah, that feels That's very correct. different. SDK. Sorry. Yeah, that feels very different to me. What you've described, like that's because uh, AR kit um, on iOS mm-hmm. is kind of the kind of the glue, right? That that then communicates with whatever um, rendering. Uh, that you've gone in for over the top. Um, so I mean, you have to have an AR kit session on the go, um, and that that sets the camera up and the the type of of um, tracking and stuff that you've got set up. Right, it can, mm-hmm. you can that will trigger the bit that comes up that tells you to move your phone around and all of that. And then you then usually display a scene that is from 
uh, either scene kit or reality kit is kind of the next stage beyond that, right? AR kit is sort of humming away in the background, doing all of the stuff to drive those scenes after you've set it up. So, right. But what that that sounds a bit more beyond. Using AR kit on the phone, you can get access to other, like, you can, you could in theory, like, create a, a, like, take photos or take images of what the user is actually looking at and stuff like that. And, with um, the Vision Pro, what you can do is, or what you do with ARKit is you initialize it and start an ARKit session, and then yep. you can place place stuff in there. Yeah. But you don't really get to see this, 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 this stuff that you place in there programmatically because you would automatically, without, um, without asking for it, uh, you would be able to film the user surroundings. And... Um, so you also don't have scene kit, I think. Okay. You but you yep. have reality kit. That's and been headed that way for the last few years. Like reality kit's been yeah. getting all the updates, scene kit's kind of been just dying <laughs> slowly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um you you also can do a thing that's called metal rendering, I think, where you can just yep. like, supply your own 3D engine. But I haven't really looked at that. And everything, by the way, everything I'm telling you right now um, is just from the, my interpretation of the documentation. So I might be wrong about these things, right? Like, don't yep. take anything I say as gospel. Um, and so scene kit is mostly for... Oh, no, hang on. Reality kit is what you use to... Uh, anchor your entities into place. So entities are basically everything you place in the 3D scene. Yes. Um, and the anchoring means you can either either say, "Hey, this this thing, this cube that I'm, for example, like I'm, I'm placing it at this location, and then if you like leave, then it's not lo- and and then return that the the thing will still be at that location. It's like as if you would leave a physical thing somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, reality kit is great um, in my experience certainly on the phone i found it was very uh-huh. very good for for literally that right for hooking up running right. the scene um and had some very good um uh i want to say gestures that you can attach to objects um so it's very easy to move them around uh versus i found with scene kit you needed to do um a bunch of stuff yourself to sort of check the that the um where the user is pressed has actually hit the thing. Um and I know they made that less complicated over the years as a sort of hit testing function that, that uses the um I'm gonna sound awful to somebody who knows this in better depth, but <laughs> like it uses um a, a, a ray tracing option, I think, or something like that. It's it's a, a ray rent like a, you ray, mean cast, a ray casting. Ray casting. Or, yeah option yeah there we go um to say okay where is this hit in the scene um right and so on whereas reality kit i found a lot easier to just go hey when the user does the thing do this thing and move on in life like the right. the, the um the api is just nice to work with so from like from just like going through the apis and like trying various things out i think what you do on the vision pro would be um you use ar kit and that gives you and i think that's only on the vision pro and that gives you not only planes but you can basically ask it for hey give me all the horizontal planes or vertical planes but like i said horizontal Mm -hmm. and then it will also tag those and you can filter those 
for example, would automatically detect a table or the floor. Um, or so you could you could you could say like, hey, give me all the tables, but not the floor. And so that that's kind of cool. Or 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 you could say like, give me all the walls, but not the window panes. Um, okay, that's really and quite so cool. So you will get these as entities, which is just them. Yeah, just objects basically, and then you can place content on top of those. Um, and of course, you could also do the ray ca- the ray casting thing, or mm-hmm. you could um, allow your your user to just like move around your three D stuff somewhere. Um, and so what I wanted to do was, um, I was like, hey, I could I could take a box, and then just like put the box on a table maybe, and then maybe, uh, you know, like just if if the user clicks or taps on the side of the box then just add a second box there and then kind of allow them to build a very pixelated or 3d so voxelated um sculpture of some sorts and it could be cool to like visualize things or i don't know if i want to buy a new um a new table then i can like like very very coarsely build the table out of the pixel these pixels and i just can see how it looks in my in my living room or whatever yeah uh, just for i was like okay and so um what i found was that i, I wanted to do ray casting to see which side of the, uh, the the cube my customer or my user is looking at right yep. turns out ray casting is well you can do it like you, you can use a collision component Mm-hmm. But because of the privacy angle, and because you are very much not allowed to know where the user is looking, like that's one of the things that um, <laughs> that is like so locked down um, that from by the system. I think nothing can get there. Okay. Um, well, what do you, you mean? Is where, like you, where in real life, or how how do, how do you mean? You mean like on, like if you've seen the videos um, from Apple, then like. If you use the Vision Pro, then you kind of select things by looking at them. Yes. So it has the hardware to know exactly where you are looking, but that okay. data never gets to any app because that would be bad to have like detailed or very like privacy invasive. Yeah, like I a understand. detailed heat map of where the user is looking at. Yes. Um. So what you can do, like in in normal Swift UI, is you you have like various interactive components, and those gets a hover state and um, so basically, if the user looks at those components, they will trigger their hover state, and you don't even know when it's hovering or not. Um, and so the same thing you can do in 3D, basically, with um, it's called a collision component. Mm-hmm. So you have like my cube, for example. If I mark that as a com- collision component, then if the customer looks at it, then <laughs> it will actually light up. That's pretty cool. But I can only register whole components as collision. So no like ray casting and seeing which side of the box is kind of being hit, right? Okay. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to build my cube out of individual planes. Uh, okay, I understand. And this is probably you butting up against some of that privacy control there because I guess somebody could use that mechanism to to circumvent it. To some degree. Yeah, and I think I think just building it out of planes is just like the way to go because then I, I well, that's exactly what I want to do, like selecting yeah. a, a, a single plane. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like the the wall that I'm really hitting is that you can't really run AR kit on the Vision Pro simulator right now. Right. So I've been like playing around with the with the APIs as much as I can, but I think at this point I'm just gonna like put it to the side and say like, hey, this has been a really cool experimentation, but I can only do this 
once, I don't know, Apple sends me a dev kit or the thing is available and I'm very rich or yeah. whatever. <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah. it's super fun regardless. Well, it's, uh, I, that's the thing with all of this, right? It's like the, the, the Vision Pro on day one is financially not something I'm going to step to. Right, that's uh, <laughs> no. it's, it's not happening. Um, not I mean, least it is. Of, it, it feels like it feels like it's a dev device for yes. Um, like it will have a public release, but it is basically something that the people who want to write the apps is are buying, and then the second or the third generation is the thing that the um, normal people are going to buy. The same as the watch, to some degree. Right, the, the, the same mm -hmm. sort of story as the Apple Watch had overall. Like they yeah. launched it to everybody. Don't get me wrong, and, and a lot of people outside of the development community did buy the first generation Apple Watch. That tend to dub it the Apple Watch Zero, uh, because then there was a there was a, ver a, a the next version. There was, was a numbered. series one after that. Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's probably a good way of looking at it. Actually, like this is version zero. And you know the the one after it will be more tuned, more honed, probably potentially a slightly better uh, financial niche because at the moment it is too expensive for most people. To be honest, to just I'm unsure buying. if it can be much cheaper. I mean, like in five to ten years, maybe. But yes, there's so much technology in there. Yep. Yeah, and I get that. I get that, and it's um, I get guess. What I'm saying, though, is what we've seen with the watch overall for users and developers is I kind of don't feel like the watch was really there until maybe Series 3, mm -hmm. just in terms of the overall overall um, dev experience starting to get a little bit better. Um, I think it was still pretty clunky at that point in time. <laughs> like Speaking of the dev um, experience, the dev experience for the watch is now pretty good, but still yes. there's no Apple Watch apps. And I've had yeah. a talk on, I had a discussion on Mastodon about this the other day. And I feel like as a developer, like for, and as a user, for 99% of use cases, uh, I can't use an Apple Watch app. Um, mm -hmm. Because because they they are too finicky to launch. So by the time I found, even with a new like app selector on WatchOS uh, 10, like by the time I found the app and actually launched it, and then waited for it to to launch, like whatever, like I, I could have like pulled out my phone three times over. Um, and then also it's just so little space, and so it's so hard to actually create craft a user interface that is both usable and still gives you the all the things that you need to do because if it's just one button then you don't need a you don't need a um an, an, like a watch app for that you can just like have a complication or yep. a siri command or like an intent i mean or a widget or whatever but if it's more then it's like it gets finicky to use mm -hmm. <laughs> um so I yeah I really do. And, and also, like, sometimes if there's an Apple Watch app, um, it actually takes away from um, from, the, from the experience. Like, I am a huge fan of this um, hiking app, Komoot. It's for, um, like, planning hiking routes and also, like, planning biking routes. Mm -hmm. 
And okay. it will also, if you then go on your tour, it will then also uh, optionally launch its Apple Watch app and then get, try to give you directions and track your workout. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the directions are horrible. Not really their fault. It's just like they work with OpenStreetMap and sometimes their algorithm gets very confused when the... Um, um, the order of streets is different. Like the the there's a, there's a primary street and a secondary street, yep. and it'll think that the like if it'll, it'll think that they are they are both the same value, but in in reality, is one is like a huge like street with actual asphalt, and the other thing is just like a, a little path that some people have walked, and it will try to navigate as if, if as if you're coming to an intersection. These kind of things. So the navigation on the watch app is like just useless. And and also, like, you don't have a compass on the watch, right? So it doesn't actually know in which direction you're facing. So the little arrows are not, not very helpful. And also the, the workout that it captures is of less quality than the workout that the workout app in the watch would um, would capture. So when I'm doing this these bike rides, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very careful to make sure that the Komoot app on the watch is not launching. Because... <laughs> Because it wouldn't like suddenly, I, w- I wouldn't get speed information for how fast I'm riding my bike. I wouldn't get uh, I would get some heart rate information, okay. but not yeah, VO2 yep. max, for example. Ouch. Um, I don't know if that's an API thing or if they need to update their app or whatever. But I'm like, yeah, I like for navigation. It has voice prompts, so we'll tell you tell you like turn right at the next intersection or whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, the the activity app will get my my actual health data way better. So yeah, I'm skeptical on watch apps. <laughs> Fair and the watch, the Apple Watch, is a fantastic thing, and I love mine for what it is, which is mostly a notification reader and health tracker. Yes. Um, but I very very rarely watch want to actually tap on the screen like the the less i have to tap on the screen the better like i want to siri into it yeah um but that would require siri to be more open i think so i i as a programmer Maybe i would, that would have would to require be... siri to work more i, I still yeah yeah like siri has these intents and for all intents and purposes they are very limited <laughs> um and so Sorry, I can't that was really... A, that was a, a, a <laughs> rimshot drum. Uh, and also they kind of have to like, oh, they always have to kind of open your app if I remember correctly. Like I haven't looked at them for a year, so that might have might have changed. Yeah. Um, but like most of the time I can't get like from, from I, I think most of the time as a developer, I can't really tell Siri, hey, if you, the user says this, then maybe like pass that on to me like most of the time that doesn't work but even if that works um then i actually do need an app again <laughs> and i'm like i just want to i don't know if i could just say hey start a commute workout or whatever that would be so cool because that's literally what i'm doing when i'm starting to like have a bike tour um yeah but yeah i think i think siri needs to be more and i'm i'm kind of like hoping that um People on inside of Apple are working on an LLM-based re- replacement for Siri that uh, allows these kinds of plugins or intents better. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel but similarly. Yeah. Um, regardless of my sort of uh, misgivings about LLMs and 
you know, the huge amount of energy that they use and all of that side of things. Like, I feel like that type of approach for Siri would be, as a user, much better in the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, I kind of see, like, they could probably do things in stages in a sense of having some sort of wrapper over Siri and the existing stack that better interprets what you're trying to do. Like, that would be, uh, if they want a minimum viable, then do that, please. Because there's nothing more frustrating than knowing Siri can do a thing and you've just not said it right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And especially uh, like most of my devices are set to German Siri yeah. because I will get German text and I wanted to read the German text or I want to send German text or whatever. Yep. Um, or I get, um, yeah, that's the most, like mo- that's most of the things. Also, I use it a lot for home automation and I want to say the German name for the room instead of like suddenly switching to English because it feels weird. Yes. Um, so in German Siri is even worse because you know exactly what to say to the English Siri to make it work, but then the German translation for that phrase will often be way clunky. So there would be like a colloquial German way to say it, yeah. but Siri won't recognize that. So you have to be the <laughs> you have to use the very formal seventeen word phrase that means <laughs> please um, please facilitate the moving of this uh, audio recording or the audio playback to the living room. And then it will think for a while and be like, hey, okay, your music is now playing in the living room. <laughs> God, no, no, thank you. Uh, uh, so it would be nice. Uh, so yeah, so Apple Watch is really, really cool. But I want to touch it as little as possible. And I think many people think the same. And yeah. that doesn't mean it's a failure as a product. It's an amazing no, thing. No, no, It's an no. amazing product. But yeah, it's probably not a full-fledged app platform no and that's where my analogy for the vision pro sort of falls over slightly right is that i I certainly don't think the vision pro's potential app experience will be as limited as the watch i think it's the opposite uh but i think in terms of of what we will see as users and developers and the progression of it if i remember the first sort of two to three years of the watch I think the Vision Pro's got that, but probably over an even longer time scale. Yeah, given yeah, given for the Vision Pro, I think I think like I might be wrong, but like my feeling is that because if you if you look at those videos and look at what what the Vision Pro can do, it has like it suddenly has window management, something that hasn't been on iOS, <laughs> like except with very few exceptions. So they can uh, do like, it. You have a little bit of stage manager or whatever, but you suddenly have window management. And a processor that is really, really powerful. There's an M2 in there, I think. Yes. So, 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 so I think that many people will be naturally inclined to have lots of apps open, and to like to work. Act, and you also have like large spaces because like you have all the room. Like you have, you have your apps can be and grow as as big as as the room, basically. Yes. Or even like if you use one of those, I don't know what are they called, the virtual backgrounds or whatever. Um, like even bigger, right? Because that's basically infinite. Yeah. So I think that will make people very quickly um, realize the limitations of the iOS style um, sandbox boxing model and interaction model, where you can't just um, like move stuff from one app to another very easily, or yeah. make apps like interact with each other because especially on a phone, but also on an iPad, it feels very natural to have just one app in full screen because that's 
always the case, right? But yeah, if you have something that is very Mac-like in a way that big, big, like very Mac-like in that it can display multiple windows mm-hmm. easily and naturally next to each other, and it allows you to rearrange them however you want, then I think that's going to expose some of these limitations. And I wonder how people are going to react. It might yeah. be that they're just like. Uh, yeah, well, the Vision Pro is just not very good because I just can't do shit. No, I said a bad word. Oh, I gotta put a put something in the swear jar now. Um, or it might be that people are like, "Hey, Apple, like, come on, allow us to do this because um, we need more more ways of inter- of apps to to interact with each other, um, to break out of their sandbox if the user allows that and stuff like that." Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I think, um, to me, it it fascinates me where this could go overall Mm -hmm. with the Vision Pro. I think what concerns me in some ways is somebody that... Oh, you have concerns. Concerns, yeah, I do. Um, (laughs) My concern for the Vision Pro is it's going to be the right product too early and in kind of the wrong form, like, and what I mean by that is like the, the bits about the Vision Pro that are, that are obviously clunky, um, like the external battery pack sort of thing, seems, you know, to somebody who's not been to any labs, it seems uh, clunky that that's the thing. And don't feel obliged to reply, Daniel. You're under embargo. I know that under NDA, that's fine. Um, but that seems clunky. And then. I feel like the price of it and where some of these aspects of the experience are going to land as well is going to work against it being able to to land um, in a niche mm-hmm. and to establish itself. Uh, and that was, I mean, that was kind of the worry about the watch on day one was because I had all those those um, all those options for the watch that sort of led you all the way up to like ten thousand dollars US to have, you know, the the gold encrusted diamond fronted whatever the hell it was version <laughs> of it um yeah so the, the division pro obviously it's a pro device and it has all the things and there's a lot of tech packed into that box and there is no sport version right now yeah that people cluster around so i, I my concern if you like is this this is going to combine to sort of make the uh make the cake deflate in the middle as it were, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cooked. You've got a cake, but it's kind of collapsed in the middle of it. And that, I feel like that's my my concern right now for the Vision Pro. Uh, yeah, it's a valid concern because three and a half thousand bucks US is a lot of money. Like it's going to be more with tax or in Europe if they ever release it in Europe. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, I mean, and like. like it's going to put 4K into a device where they don't yet know if it's going to be good, if it's going to be useful, if yeah. it's going to be fun to use even. Like especially at the beginning like it's a it's a whole new category. Of course there are other VR headsets and they work very similar, but all yeah. the other headsets are either Facebook only or are mainly used for gaming whereas this thing is just not for gaming at all like it's you, mm-hmm. you can't even like i mean you, you could probably like force it into serving as a gaming role but it's not built for that really yeah yeah so so i mean all of that that could combine to sort of you know mean that it, it doesn't really succeed uh 
uh, the other bit of it I can see as well is like people aren't going to know what the cycle looks like. Mm-hmm. So you can't predict, you know, there's, there's an element of like, does that price look reasonable if I can expect to have, you know, five or six good years out of this thing? Oh, right. yeah, that's a very good point. So, you know, which I think is probably not going to be the case. The processors are getting updated each year for the the um, Apple Silicon in one way or another, or sort of on an 18 month to two year cycles. Again, that's still sort of bearing out at the moment. Do we get an M3 this year? Do we not? Um, like all of this combines that um, even for people who have the money, I can see there being a, a potential for sort of decision paralysis and kind of seeing seeing how it goes. And then that also then leads to it sort of being declared a bit of a flop. Um, so I guess what I, I'm thinking here overall is i hope apple have got the the backing for this internally the vision the vision for this mm. there we go another one um to loss lead to loss lead with it um as much as as much as possible put that money behind it and um let it get to where it needs to get to before sort of then going right it's got to be profitable now and i think apple's the company to to do that, you know, versus say <laughs> I mean, Google, who I mean, would probably like, kill it. They have enough money. Yes, they do. <laughs> they have enough money, but when has ever Apple ever uh, sold anything at a loss? Oh, I don't kind of mean like literally at a loss. I mean to keep backing it as it's taking off. So they might not be seeing oh, it as okay. profitable as it, as it will be, you that. know, um, or that the margin on it is incredibly low, but that's okay because they're establishing this new platform you know that i think that's the way apple's got to behave i would totally love it if they also i think that's the way apple's got to behave to make it succeed right oh yeah i mean it would be totally totally rad if they would just sell it sell it for sub two thousand bucks or whatever (laughs) yeah i think that would be the that's the magic number maybe or there's a magic number somewhere where people are okay i don't know yet but I am a rich technologist, <laughs> and I will buy this. It's got to be in the category of um, getting close to the uh, studio display in price. I think that's the thing. Like you can, uh, you can mm-hmm. look at that, and you can go, "Okay, I was thinking about updating my monitor, but for another five hundred dollars, I could have as many virtual monitors as I want." At that point, yeah, yeah, that, that that could that could work for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we will see, Daniel, and I'm insanely jealous that you've been able to play with it and, um, start <laughs> thinking about apps in that space. Uh, yeah, I, I eventually want to bring something to it. If things are looking mm-hmm. good, you know, like the VJ app has got some potential. Like especially Go VJ. Yeah. I think that would totally work because not only, um, do you have a lot of space? So you suddenly can 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 work on your VJing and you have a preview area or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that that totally works. But the other thing is how like you know on raves, like people always love to look weird and futuristic and cool. Yeah. Like the Vision Pro does look weird and futuristic and cool. That's true. That's true. And I can see there being the 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 this situation where you've got the the artist performing the video and possibly even with audio mm-hmm. as well, right? There's, there's, at the moment, GoVJ is literally for mixing 
uh, video to live audio. So somebody else is doing the audio, a DJ is playing, and the VJ is mixing the, the visual sets on all the screens or projectors around you. Um, yeah, and sometimes some VJs do dress up, you know, and, and are part of the sort of stage acts inside of all of this. Not, not that often, but occasionally. Um, like, you mm. know, having one of these strapped to your head to perform isn't going to seem that out there compared to anything else. Um, yeah, maybe. And then there's also another side of this potentially in the far-flung future where enough people have these that um, having an artist controlling a shared 3D experience for everybody in the space that you're in um, becomes a thing. You know, like as the Ooh. DJ drops the beat, the VJ is then making the AR dragon fly over the crowd, that sort of stuff, right? Like, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, Damn, never yeah. Never say never, and maybe I'll be justifying buying one for for building an app that brings this sort of stuff to people. Um, maybe. <laughs> I think we're a few years away yet from me being able to say that with any yeah, certainty. It just needs, needs, it just needs to be integrated into regular people's glasses. It does. Like, oh yeah, my God, that, that, that would be so the cool. Killer. That, that, that's the, the, the killer approach. Um, Daniel, I need to yes. start the rest of my day, as we touched on at the beginning of the show. My, uh, my day starts after we record. Um, and so, yeah, I need to, to wrap up talking with you, I'm afraid. That's fine. It has been fantastic talking to you, and I hope we can find back to our regular <laughs> like intervals yeah. again, uh, which we have. Like we've let it slide a bit over the yeah. summer, and I really want to go go back into a regular recording stuff because um, I really like talking to you about these Likewise. things. And then we have more time because we we meet more often. Hundred percent. All right. Um, before I go, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me um, at David Gary Wood at social. No, that's my old address. Damn it! I knew I was going to do that sooner or later. Right? No. Rewind. You can find me at Dave, D A V E, at social.lightbeamapps.com. Uh, that's on the Feddy, the Mastodons. And you can find my apps over at lightbeamapps.com. I'll get these things right one day. Fantastic. Daniel, there you go. Where, where, where can we find awesome. you? Awesome. Oh, yeah. You can find me at um, daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com or just go to telemetrydeck.com. All right, that's the show. Thank you so much. Uh, please, if you listen to this, rate us on iTunes because it helps people discover 100%. the show. And if people discover this show, then it's cool because then they listen to us and then we are happy because people are listening to us. <laughs> I feel validated. Um, <laughs> write, us, write us on Mastodon and yeah, see you soon. Have a great day, Dave. Uh, you too, Daniel. Take care. Bye.